0: This is Emmanuel today, taking steps toward God's possible in your life. It's now time for you to sit back and prepare for insights on your walk with Christ. Let's join today's message right now. Good morning. How many love Jesus today? You love him? We're experiencing a little bit of a heat wave in Minnesota this weekend might want to break out your shorts and go outside. Well, maybe not, not quite yet. What a great, great weekend to get together again. We're on week number two of our Are We Okay series. We're looking at this idea of relationship tension. And uh, have you ever been in that situation where you're with somebody and you're like, something's not right. Are we okay? And uh, we're talking about that. Today's title is What You Looking For? What You Looking For? And by the way, for those of you that are like music people and uh, you're wondering what kind of music I listen to. This actually, the title is intentional. What you're looking for with a numeric four is actually the title of an early Kirk Franklin album. And uh, it's one of the albums I used to listen to way back in the day. And I thought, hey, this is a perfect title for today. We've been thinking about how do we even get bridge the gap? From where we are to where we need to go. And I'm looking forward to, by the way, that I've got four things today that I think will make a significant difference in your relationships that will help you with uh, uh, tension and uh, kind of the gap in the are we okay moments. But I want you to go back with me to last week. If you weren't there, I'll catch you up real quick. That in our stories, that uh, if we're going to build good relationships with other people, then we have to learn to start with our relationship with God and knowing That we are loved. Turn to the person next to you and say, you are loved. You are loved. And uh, really, we need to discover that love comes from God. 1 John 4, 7, dear friends, let us continue to love one another. For love comes from God, and anyone who loves is a child of God and knows God. But anyone who does not love does not know God, for God is love. Really, it begins with God. If you're going to have the capacity to bridge the gap of the tensions in your life, the best place to start is in your relationship with God, and you are loved. He deeply loves you and shows you, even though you've made mistakes, he cares about you. And you and I can start with knowing that we're loved. And if I'm loved, I have the capacity to love others. Say that with me. If I'm loved, I have the capacity To love others. In reality, if I'm going to love other people, it starts with God, but because of God, I can do this. I can make it through the tension, the awkward moments, the are we okay moments. And why is it so hard? Anyways, I mean, from a human's point of view, why is it so difficult for us to work through and get along with others? And today I want you to think of a quote that I saw from Craig Groeschel, a preacher that I really agree with. He said this, we often find what we are looking for. If we're looking for a reason to be offended, we will find it. And if we're looking for a reason to be thankful, we will find it. So much of what we see is based on what we expect to see in others. People are going to disappoint us. And especially if all we look at is the gap between us and where we wish they were. But they're not there yet. And so we feel that gap, that tension in there. And if all, all we do is expect big, big things, people disappoint us all the time. And when I consider life, some of the gap is created by the simple fact that we all see different things. When you're born you're raised... You are raised with a different set of lenses. Your parents tell you how to interpret things, human relationships, the family of origin that you come out of, but then you're also, we're all different. We all have different love languages. There's a book that came out a few years ago called The Five Love Languages. You might have heard of it. It talks about the physical touch. Some people like physical touch. That's how they feel loved. Some people are gifts people. They're constantly giving gifts to other people or acts of service. Means a whole lot to them. Someone serves or sweeps or cleans or takes care of their bedroom. Come on, parents. You feel that an act of service from your kids, right? Or quality time. Some people are quality time people. Some people are quantity time people, too. Some people are both. How many of you know somebody that's both? They want both quality and quantity. And some people are words of affirmation people. But listen, we often give what we want to receive. And not everybody's the same. That's what I love about the family of God. God made us all different from each other. We all have different kind of wirings. I love different tools that uh, have kind of emerged to kind of show us our differences in how people are wired. One of them is the Enneagram. How many of you have heard of the Enneagram? Uh, and some people are, there's all these numbers that they come up with, you know, like you're a one or you're a two or you're a seven or you're a nine. Or, and that means different things. And uh, I refuse to take the test. And my wife says, that proves you're (laughs) an eight. All those different things, the way we evaluate each other, the plain facts are we're all just different. We all look at life through different lenses. Some people are introverts by nature, and some people are extroverts. Some people really love a good book, but some people would rather have a great conversation. And uh, then there's others that are outdoors people and they feel better when they're outdoors and some people are indoors people. How many you are outdoors people? I'm, I'm curious. It's been really tough the last couple of weeks. When it went sub-sub-zero and all of that. And, and we all have different kind of ways that we look at the world. And that's really the way God made us, the creator made us. We have different styles of music that we like. You know, some people are country music people. and Some people are R&B music. Some are classical ki- kind of people. It doesn't matter what your lens is. But listen, it does affect how you see each other. And it affects how you interpret what another person is doing with you. The quality of your relationship is impacted by the lens that you look through. It looks a certain way to you because of the way that you see. And if you only look at people through your own lens, you're never going to solve the are we okays in your life. We need to find a different lens to look through. I want you to look with me at Philippians chapter 2. In Philippians chapter 2, there's a new lens to look through when you come into the kingdom of God. It says, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves. Not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others. See, when you come into the kingdom of God, you put on a new set of glasses. And you began to evaluate others and value others above yourself, not looking to your own interest, but looking to others. So here's the question, what are you looking for in the other person? What are you looking for? What you looking for? All right, let me give you those four things I talked about earlier that make a huge significant impact on your tension in your relationships, I'm gonna give you four lenses of love that we need to heal our relationships, and they all be, uh, come out of First Corinthians chapter 13. First Corinthians chapter 13. I read from this last week, but it says this: love is patient. I should just stop there, right? Wait, wait you got to keep reading, Pastor Nate. No, love is patient. Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast, it is not proud, it does not dishonor others, it is not self-seeking, it is not easily angered, it keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. And I'll move on here in a second to verse 7. But, we'll just remind you, all those things God is to us. Love does not count our sins again. Love is not self-seeking. God is not those things to us. But then it goes on into verse 7 and it says, it always protects, it always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. And those four things, in fact, read verse 7 out loud with me if you guys can put it back up on the screen. It always protects, it always trusts, always hopes, and always perseveres. There's an interesting thing with those four things that are described that I actually think can heal the divide between us and other people. if we follow those four things in verse seven, I, I think we have this, the chance you're telling me there's a chance. We have a chance to make a difference in the tension to move through it. The first thing is this: love looks to protect. So not only does love do that, but when you put on that lens, you look. To protect others. This has to do with being a safe place. A place to drop the costume, let the guard down without fear. Are you doing that for other people? Are you providing that safe place? The word protect there means this in the original Greek. It means to cover. And it's related to our word for roof on a house. A roof, everything underneath the roof is protected. Think about this. How many are thankful for a roof over your head the last couple of weeks? It's minus 20 degrees outside. And I'm thankful for a roof. But a roof protects everything inside it, underneath it. It covers over. Love that protects covers over and protects other people. It cares for them. It doesn't broadcast bad news. It doesn't point out every flaw in other people. And it doesn't criticize people in the public. Now, there is a pain when a person goes through an uncovered love. When they're not covered, and somebody gossips or backbites or tells bad news to somebody else about you, and perhaps you've had that in your life, where you had uncovered moments where somebody disappointed you, But I want to challenge you not to let what happened to you stop you from being the kind of love that God has called you to be to other people. And looking to protect, to protect the relationship, to protect the person and in their story. Everyone needs people in their life that they can be transparent with. James chapter 5 verse 16 says, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. Confess your sins. This means that the promises in the body of Christ, that if we provide safe places, this is my dream for Redwood Faith Church. When I talk about Redwood Faith, the great redwood trees on the west coast that are hundreds of feet tall and live hundreds of years. They withstand the storms off the coast because their root systems are interconnected. And that's my metaphor for when I talk about smaller groups or connections of spiritual community. My desire is not that you just hear me uh, on a Sunday morning and put your time in, but that you develop spiritual relationships with people that are safe. And when it's safe enough and you're in a context of trust with each other and that security is there that we're protecting each other, we're not going to walk out of group and share the news with everybody else, now all of a sudden you can confess even your sins in that context and you'll be healed, James says. In other words, the promise of relationships that are secure and protecting each other is that we actually find freedom from what's on the inside of us. I believe that love that protects protects the image of God in other people. What does that look like? It looks like not gossiping, not slandering, not bringing indignity to others, but bringing dignity instead to honor those around you both by how you talk and how you post on social media. Come on, somebody. I love what Miles McPherson, he says in his great book, The Third Option. He says, honor people by talking to them, not around them. In other words, not talking about people, not talking to them through social media and subtweeting and subposting, but being a person that actually talks to them if we've got an issue, but protecting them, not putting out in an open space. Do you look to honor others on social media? It's easy to forget that the person behind the screen is a child of God. And we need to remember the Imago day in others. And even when we come across situations where someone is beginning to gossip, ever been in one of those circumstances, you can steer the conversation away from that instead of participating in it. We can have disagreements on top of that with people that uh, we, we know or don't know, and we can have that disagreement without name-calling or stereotyping. We're going to talk more about that in the next couple of weeks when we deal with, uh, with conflict and how to deal with conflict. But I want to acknowledge something. The closer you get to someone, the more difficult it is to look to protect. It could be in a spouse relationship. It could be in a family or a close friend's Sometimes the closer we get, the more we see. And the more we see, if they don't change, we're tempted to tell other people about it. But love always protects. Say that with me. Love always protects. And we can seek to see that and be that to people around you. One of the ways that I appreciate my dad did that for me when I was growing up was as a teenager, I was pretty stubborn and independent and wanted to do my own thing. And there were some things that I did that I knew were wrong and my dad did not approve of. Whether it's going somewhere in my car I shouldn't have gone or spending money on things I shouldn't spend money on, whatever it may have been. And uh, when my dad would catch me, and by the way, my dad had this prophetic insight I would drive up the driveway, and he would be there at the kitchen table. I could see him through the window with his Bible laid out and the light on in there. And I would have the fear of God inside of me. Like, oh, no. And God would show him things. Well, there was one time I came in, and I had to sit down at the table, and my dad said these words. And this is great parental advice, by the way. He knew I had done something I wasn't supposed to do. And he said these words. He said, Nate, no, actually he said Nathan back then. He said, Nathan, I am disappointed in your behavior, but I love you. I'm disappointed in your behavior, but I love you. He was protecting the safe place between him and me. He didn't go off on me and go, you loser, you always are rebellious, and call me a bunch of names, which is love taking the roof off. But instead, he had still addressed and was strong with what needed to change, But he acknowledged, I love you, I'm disappointed in your behavior. Love always protects. The second thing that will, the lens that we need to look through that will help heal our relationships is love looks to believe. It says in the text, love always trusts. But I wanna the the word believe for trust today. Because when it comes to trust, trust is broken a lot. And biblically speaking, This isn't saying that you you trust no matter what. It says that you believe in the long-haul view. In battle, there's a loyalty that develops between people who are in a foxhole together. They're fighting together. They're allies in the struggle together. They know that they are not all that perfect, but they're most definitely catching each other's backs, trusting that they'll each make it to the end of the battle. Love always trusts because it's not because it's gullible, but because it's willing to give people the benefit of the doubt. It always is ready to believe, always takes people at their highest and best, not at their lowest and worst. What do you think about this in the comparison between a microscope and a telescope? You get a microscope out and you look through there, and there's been a lot of that in this last year, as people were looking at COVID tests and all those kind of things but a microscope examines the smallest most minute part of a cell or a slide people that are microscope people look and they analyze everybody and they see everything wrong with them love doesn't do that that way in comparison think of a telescope a telescope looks up at the sky and it sees and it notices the planets and the stars and sees a very large picture When it comes to our life and our relationships, we need to not just see what they just did or how they hurt our feelings or how someone disappointed us and and indict them for their whole life because of what someone just did. But instead to see the larger, bigger picture that God still has a plan for their life, that love never quits, never gives up on somebody, believing that something good could still happen. Jesus does that with us. Jesus doesn't say, you just sinned, I'm done with you. But he gives us a hope and a future. Think about how he handled his disciples. They made big mistakes. Peter says, I'll never deny you. I'll never, ever deny you. And then within 24 hours, the rooster crows. And he's already denied Jesus three times. And Jesus puts the future of the church In that guy's hands. Why? Because Jesus saw the bigger long-term picture. I think that we all are the beneficiaries of people that believed in us before they should have. Think about that. I had coaches when I was younger that saw things in me, and they spoke those things out and they believed in me even though I didn't believe in myself. I had teachers and mentors that believed in me even though I probably wasn't everything that they said I was at that moment. I I believe that love has a capacity to think long in the relationship with people. Parents have to learn to do this with their children to not think it's all over She's 13, she's messed up, she'll never amount to anything. Maybe that's how somebody spoke it over you at one time. But no, the kingdom of God says no. Believe in that girl, she's going to have a future and a hope. Can I get an amen to that? Amen. Believing good things. Jesus believed in those things and saw the larger picture. He wasn't naive, he was strong enough to handle the failures of his friends. I love the little text in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 20. We're talking about a guy named Isaac who had two sons that weren't really great. One was Jacob and one was Esau. Jacob meant deceiver, all right? So they weren't great things. But it says, it was by faith that Isaac promised blessings for the future of his sons, Jacob and Esau. Another translation says, by faith he reached into the future. We need to have eyes of belief, of faith in our love to the people that are around us beyond the moment that we're in. I, I want to acknowledge, when trust is broken, it isn't easily restored. It's difficult when somebody lets you down. And let me give you a word, by the way, a couple words. If you're in a person that uh, you've gone through abuse, I'm not saying go back to that person. Just let them in and everything's perfect. We'll talk about boundaries next week. Boundaries are really important. You don't just let them back in and abusing you. You need to have strong boundaries. But just as much, some of us, we might have broken somebody else's trust in us. Maybe we did something wrong or maybe we, we said something wrong or we broke the trust. Don't think that just because you apologize that they should let you all the way back in at once. Love that believes even in that circumstance requires consistency. We need to learn to keep following through on our word and then over time, then the trust is restored. Are you hearing what I'm saying? So we need to learn to seek to rebuild trust on both sides of that. If I'm going to love somebody and they've disappointed me, I need to have a plan for them to be restored. To not permanently throw them into the prison of our hearts, but to allow God to have love always believes in them. It's a different way of looking at the world. It's a different set of lenses. But that's the Jesus way. Can I get an amen to that? The third lens is this. Love looks to hope. Love looks to hope. Looking for hope in another story. And this has to do with what comes out of our mouth and what we say. The language of our speech, our posts, are they filled with hope? Or have we developed our own cancel culture in ho- how we talk? where we shut whole groups of people off or individuals off because of whatever lens that we're wearing? There's a different lens and I love to repeat this about one time a year. It found in Ephesians chapter four, verse 29. It says this, do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, or um, through your f- f- thumbs on the, on the phone, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who, what? That it may benefit you? Know that it may benefit those who listen. Ephesians 4.29. I often say this almost every year, but I'm going to repeat it so those of you who have been around know what's coming. Those of you who don't, uh, you're going to bother to learn something new. But if I think of Ephesians 4.29, it's always time to build people up. Not just in church, but at any moment of any given day, it's always, and I think of 4.29 as a time of day and thinking it's always Ephesians 4.29, but it's always 4.29. So in the middle of traffic, when somebody is going slow, what time is it? It's 4.29. When somebody says something that just ticks you off on social media, what time is it? It's 4.29. When you're driving home today and there's a fight going on in the back seat of your car, parents, I give you permission to ask your kids, what time is it? And they're gonna look at you like, what are you talking about? It's always 429. In fact, right now, church, look at your watch. What time is it? It's 429. It's always time to build other people up with what comes out of your mouth. And there there is a difference between calling people out and calling them up to their purpose. Calling out and using the words to build other people up. I love the impact of this because it, what goes around comes around. When you're in the habit of always bringing hope to the people around you, looking for the good in others, then it comes back your way. Our Maple Grove campus pastor, James Martinez, and his wife, uh, Cherise, they uh, are in a pregnancy. And last fall, um, in November, December, she was going through, Cherise was going through a very difficult time. She was on bed rest, had an IV in her, in her bedroom, and she couldn't come out of the bedroom for three weeks. And uh, the whole family still functioning. James had to be, be, be both uh, dad and mom during that time, and it was just just a little bit difficult for all of them, but they all believed in good things. And because Charisse had constantly uh, kind of operated with the love that hopes for her kids, it came back to her in a beautiful way. And I saw a video because the one day, three weeks la- later, that Charisse was able to come down and finally have dinner with her kids and her family, her daughter, Sophia, snuck off into a closet afterwards and shot a video for her mom on the phone. And this is the, I want you to see it because it's so powerful, the hope that goes around. Because mom did it, now her child was doing it back to her mom. Watch this video. Hi, mom. It's me, Sophia. Sophia. I was just loving how confident you are, and you're getting way better. You can walk a lot. You, you just sat at the table with us and ate dinner. I just love you. Isn't that so cool? I love those moments, but those are words of hope. Those are words that lift up, that notice the good. Hope champions someone's future. Doubt stays stuck in the past. Having hope for someone else looks like speaking purpose and victory over their life. I'd like you to think of a hashtag speak life kind of attitude. Speaking hope in someone else's story. In fact, I want you to take your phone out right now. And if you already got it out, you can get back to your uh, Emmanuel MN app later on or whatever. But I want you to right now, in the middle of my message, text somebody or message somebody a word of hope and encouragement. Maybe you know somebody in your story, maybe someone that you have tension with, somebody that needs hope. And just, hey, I appreciate you. I'm so glad that you stayed in the journey. I love you. Parents can do that to their kids, or or, you you could do this with your friend, or you can think of somebody at work. Go ahead and do it right now in the middle of my message. You're like, but Pastor Nate, you're talking. I can't type and listen to you at all at the same time. I'm okay with that. I'm okay, if you actually do my message and do the word, that's powerful. You're not just listening, you're doing the word. So go ahead and text somebody and speak life. Or maybe you wanna do it on social media and you wanna give a shout out. There isn't enough negative out there. What if you did a positive shout out to somebody in your story and believed in them and believed in their future and their hope that they have for their life? I think all of us can do that. We can do that in so many ways where we help people into their future. The fourth and the last thing that I wanna mention today is this, if you wanna look through lens that changes the the, are we okay moments in your story, you've gotta put on the lens that love looks to finish. It looks to finish. The word says persevere, which means all the way to the end. Persevere is a military term and it means to hold a position At all costs, even to the death. The battle may be lost, but the soldier keeps on fighting to the very end. They persevere. Love stands its ground and continues in spite of everything that can be thrown against us. Proverbs 18, 24 says, there are friends who destroy each other. Oh, I just lost my scripture here. There are friends who destroy each other, but a real friend sticks closer than what? A brother. A brother. Real friends stay in there. They hang in there. Perseverance means pushing past the tension. Not, I'm out of here. Shutting down because somebody disappointed you. I'm in even if they haven't changed yet. I'm in it for the long haul. Willing to have difficult, uncomfortable conversations because we aren't going to quit on our friends. Galatians 6.2 says, share each other's burdens. And in this way... Obey the law of Christ. Share each other's burdens. A steady friend remains in the best of times and in the worst of times. Even if you don't know what to say or do when a friend is suffering, stay in the present. Looking to finish means not just saying, I'll pray for you, but to call them up, to go pray with them, to take the first step in reaching out to them. One of the things I learned in my relationship with Jody, she's not looking for answers all the time. She's just looking for presence. Early on in our marriage, I didn't understand who I was, let alone who this woman was that I was married to. I since learned that she's a very complex, smart individual that has far greater uh, abilities than I have to manage a lot of different things in her heart and her head. I can only think about one thing at a time. I'm just terrible at anything else. And... uh, and yet sometimes she might be bothered. She's got 10 different things going on at once in her head and her heart. She's thinking about the kids or she's thinking about her church or she's thinking about whatever. And, uh, and I may feel the tension in the room. The tension may not be about me. She might just be going through whatever she's going through. But because I'm her husband and I'm her closest friend, I feel the tension inside of her. Early on in my marriage, I tried to fix the problem because I didn't like tension. And so I would pro- probe and provoke and try to, to see what I had done wrong. <laughs> Just tell me what I did wrong so I can apologize and get it over with. And the problem with that was, is I was pushing her in a way that wasn't really helping her. I was pushing her and she didn't really know what, which thing was, was really the thing. And what I had to learn to do is stop pushing and just be with her. If I could grab her hand or know, let, let her know that I'm with her, then something powerful happened in our story. Because she knows I'm with her, she's not alone in whatever she's feeling. And then pretty soon, over time, she might figure it out and everything's fine. And it had nothing to do with me, it had everything to do with what was going on in her heart. And she shared her burden without even telling me what it was. Are you hearing what I'm saying? We need to be together. And another thing is thinking about the long haul means that there are many years and decades ahead of us. And to think in terms of, what do I want to be like in the long run? What do I want my friendship or my marriage? What do I want that to be like in the long run? I don't want to stop here. I don't want the growth to end this moment of our story. I want to stay in the journey with my kids, or with the friendships that I have. I want to stay in that journey. One of the things I used to do when I first came here in uh, the early 90s, I was a college student going to North Central University, as a single guy, and I came to Emmanuel Christian Center, and at that time, our founding pastor, Mark Deniz, was in his 60s already, and he and his wife, Shirley, I would come in a Sunday morning, and he would preach, and he would talk about his honey blonde girlfriend. And he was speaking about Shirley. And it was just a beautiful picture of a guy in his 60s talking about his wife. And I wanted to know, is this real or is this just something that he says from the pulpit? And then, of course, a few years later, I came on staff and I was a youth pastor. And I was in staff meetings with him and Shirley. And I saw all their interactions. I would see them go off to lunch together. I would see them on their journey. And I thought back then, and I still think to this day as I think about my relationship with my wife, when I grow up and I, I get into my 60s, I want a relationship like he had. And they never stopped. They continued to grow in their friendship in their relationship. Love perseveres to the end. There's going to be some down times. There's going to be some difficulties. There's going to be some tension. But love perseveres to the end. It keeps moving to the finish line. You and I look to finish with the love of God. Love that maybe we don't get from ourselves. Perhaps you're listening to me today and you're like, Pastor Nate, these are all good ideas. They sound really great. And it may be easy for other people, but it's not easy for me. And this is the power of the gospel, friends. When it comes to Jesus, when Jesus comes, he doesn't come to perfect people. He came to save the sinners. And when we were sinners, Christ died for us. And the power is he did it ahead of time. He brought something to us that we didn't drum up ourselves. And when he came and he died on the cross for our sins, not only did he purchase salvation for us, but friends, I want you to know he purchased salvation and he purchased love to be distributed to us in our stories. So no matter what lenses you grew up with wearing, whatever you inherited from your family of origin or whatever you've gone through in your story, when Jesus comes into our story, he brings supernatural love. So you have the capacity to love others because of his love, not because of what you grew up with, not because of what's in your past. You can love others and you can drop your guard and humble yourself no matter what stage of life you're in. And you can say, Jesus, I don't know how to love my wife. I don't know how to love my husband. I don't know how to love my friends. I don't know how to love the the, the people in my society that, that seem to hate me. I don't know how to love the way you love. And Jesus says, that's right. You don't know how. But the longer you serve me, the more you are connected to the family of God, the more you gain a new lens, a way of looking at the world that's around you. And friends, I want you to know, it doesn't happen all at once. But as you come to church, as you get spiritual friendships and you're in a connect group, or as you begin to know the word of God and spend time in his presence, the longer you walk with Jesus, the more his love pours into you. The more his love pours into you, the more his love pours out of you to the people around you. So even if you feel like you don't have the lens today, friends, you just went through another 30-minute message where you heard the word of God and a little bit of the lens of God began to drop in your life. You can love because your love. Can I get an amen to that? Amen. Hallelujah. You can do it because of him, the supernatural love of God. Would you stand with me on each of our locations today? Hallelujah. I want to give you hope today because you know, it's, the best is still yet to come. Not only for you, but for your relationships in your life if you follow the way that Jesus says to go. And before we move on, we're going to worship in a moment and we're going to have eyes of faith when we're worshiping Jesus today together. But I want to, I want to give a moment for people who have not given their life to Jesus before. You've never surrendered your life to Christ. And the message of the gospel is simple. Jesus came, he died on a cross for your sin. And then he rose from the dead and he's alive. And he says, if you believe in him and confess with your mouth that he's the Lord and that God raised him from the dead, you'll be saved. Meaning that's the entry point to a relationship. It's not the end, it's the beginning. And if you need a fresh start, you need a relationship with Jesus or you need to come back to him, you can do it right now. In fact, I'd like to everybody to just close your eyes, bow your heads wherever you're at, just to provide a private moment. If you're here today You've gathered together with Emmanuel, whether you're online or you're in one of our locations. And you know you need the love of God in your story. You need a different lens to look through. You need Jesus to save you of your sins, but also to show you how to live. And if you're here today or you need to come back to him, I want to pray with you. And if that's you, you say, Pastor Nate, I need to give my life to Jesus. I need to come back to him. I want to pray with you. Just put your hand up and say, that's me. That's me, Pastor Nate. I need, I need Jesus. I need to come back to him. Yeah, yeah, yes, yes. Every single week, we have people that are giving their lives to Jesus. And it's powerful because the truth is he still believes in you. He still believes in you. I want to lead you in a prayer. If you've raised your hand and, and, uh, or you've indicated it online, I want, I want you to f- repeat this prayer out loud. But mean it from your heart. And everybody else, you can join right in. Say, Jesus, thank you. For loving me so much that you came to the earth, you died on the cross for my sin, and then you rose from the dead, and I know you're alive. Today, I receive your love, and I choose to follow your way for the rest of my life. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen, amen, amen. Somebody give the Lord some praise. People come into the kingdom today. Amen. Amen. you prayed that prayer, I want you to stay on the journey of keep learning the lens of, of the kingdom of God. I want you to take that next step, and I want to help you with that. You can take your phone out and just text the word "Emmanuel" to 313131. If you just prayed that prayer, I want to help you on your next steps of following Jesus. Just text "Emmanuel" to 313131, and I'll send it to you right now. Let's give it up one more time for those who just gave their life to Jesus. Amen. Amen. All right. Thank you for listening to Emmanuel TODAY. To learn more about the many ministry opportunities we have throughout the week, be sure to check out emmanuelcc.org.